Hi you guys and welcome back. For this episode I want to get into attachment styles and talk about how our partners mirror our parents. A little disclosure before I continue, there have been so many studies done after the attachment theory specifically to conclude that other people outside of our immediate family also play a role in the partners that we choose and how we handle our relationships and have influence over our lives such as friends, you know, even grandparents, those we go to school with, even in the instance of relationships you know, you could have had a bad relationship at 15, 16, and that kind of set the tone for the people that you date. Or, and this will be a triggering word, so I'll give it a second. You know, you can skip this bit, but situations such as rape can be so traumatizing to where they alter your dating patterns and your dating styles. So I'm fully aware that there are other people in our lives and other ways that we can be influenced. And it doesn't always just go back to our parents, but that is what I'm sticking to in this podcast when talking about relationships and how our partners mirror our parents. I will be putting some links in the description box as well as a time frame. So if you want to skip this bit, feel free to. It's just a little history lesson about attachment theory. So in the 1950s, a psychoanalyst named John Bowlby was interested in the relationship he shared with his mother. He was wanting to know how or kind of why the lack of love she showed him as a child affected his relationships and how he attached himself to romantic partners. He was also interested in how the separation between a mother and the mother's child would affect the child not only then but as an adult. He said that our attachment styles are our way of forming and maintaining relationships and it just all goes back to how our parents responded to our wants and needs and how we've carried that into adulthood. The first one being secure attachment style. This is when the individual is secure in relationships. They feel connected to their partner but they also are independent and they respect their partner's independence. This attachment style is usually formed when the parents are attentive and responsive to the child's needs and wants. This is very different from the anxious preoccupied attachment style. This individual can be very codependent, very reliant on their partner. They're clingy, jealous, fearful, and you can easily upset these individuals. So the parents of the anxious preoccupied child were very inconsistent with their love and the way they responded to their child. Whether the child was wanting love or expressing their needs and their wants. The parents were really inconsistent with their responses and sometimes Bowlby even saw that the mother would often rely on the child for meeting their needs and wants. The third attachment style is fearful avoidant. Here, the individual is overwhelmed by romantic closeness. They have a fear of getting hurt by their partner. And this fear and overwhelmed feeling can make it difficult for them to maintain and form relationships. 
The fourth one and the second type of avoidant attachment is dismissive avoidant. This individual distanced themselves from romantic relationships as a whole. So fearful avoidance really want that closeness. They're just scared of it and oftentimes they can avoid relationships but dismissive avoidant isn't fearful at all. They're actually rather confident in the idea that they don't need a relationship and they don't want anything to do with what a relationship has to bring. The parents of an avoidant child were often unresponsive to the child's wants and needs. At an early age, the child would decide that, you know, they have to meet their own needs and wants. They'll have to do all that they want from their parents themselves. So when it does come time for a relationship, you know, fearful avoidant will either fear that their partner won't be there or that they'll lose them or as a dismissive avoidant individual would think they just don't want anything to do with it. They don't want to have to rely on someone else to meet their needs. And just to wrap up that long ass history lesson, Bowlby said that we don't just use one attachment style all the time and our attachment styles can be triggered to the point where they start surfacing in our relationships. So it is possible for us to change and work on our attachment styles and who we attract as partners. So I majored in psychology in college and I was always aware of attachment styles and aware of the fact that your parents and their parenting styles can influence your romantic relationships. But I guess what I didn't know is that you can choose partners who mirror your parents, especially the one that you would tie back to your traumatic experiences. I was actually in therapy once describing to my therapist the guy I was dating at the time, and he's, he just asked me, you know, who else does that sound like? And we got into how I've been dating men who mirror my mom. So just to share my personal experience here, as a child, I did do a lot of crying. I was very needy, and I was always wanting attention, especially after my baby sister was born. I was very jealous of her growing up, which I will get into in another episode. But how I expressed myself and my jealousy, I would take out on my sister and it would anger my mom. Completely reasonable. She would spank me, but it got to the point where she was spanking me even when I wasn't doing anything and even with friends around. But as soon as her and my dad got a divorce, she stopped spanking me. And then I realized that maybe she was just so angry at my dad that she would hit me to release that anger. After they got a divorce, she started shifting that kind of blame and anger to telling me that God was punishing her for the things that I was doing. And she started relying on me to be the parent. The roles really reversed. She was telling me things that you shouldn't tell a 10, 11 year old. And I thought it was that best friend, mother-daughter relationship, but it wasn't that at all. And now I know that it, to give you an idea of what I was to my mom, one Christmas Eve, I think I was like 13, 14, we were at my grandparents around my aunt and uncle and their family, and we were just sitting there and my brother made the comment that I was the spare tire in mom's life. I don't wanna get into what that means, but if you feel like that's fucked up, that's because it is fucked up, but it's very true regarding my role in my mom's life. 
in therapy, I started understanding that the relationship I shared with my mom was basically me just always wanting love, me wondering what I could have done better. And although I moved out of the country as soon as I could, I realized that it didn't stop there, that I've been doing the same things in my romantic relationships. Studies regarding the attachment theory and romantic relationships have actually shown that avoidant and anxious individuals are more likely to attract than, say, secure and avoidant or secure and anxious. And this is because we want that familiar feeling, whether we actually want it or not. We subconsciously want that same feeling we got as a child in our romantic relationships. I'm actually reading a book about trauma called The Body Keeps the Score and there was a quote I saw last night I just wanted to share with you guys that said, are traumatized people condemned to seek refuge in what is familiar? And just familiarity is the core problem when talking about the people that we are attracted to and how they mirror back to our parents. For instance, using myself as an example, going back to my mom, I've dated men who are not only avoidant, who don't meet me where I want to be met, but who also make me feel the same way. If I start to cry, I've had men gaslight me. Or if I'm wanting love, oh, you're too needy, get off me. Like, I don't want this. But I have dated men before who don't mind it, who I would say haven't triggered me the same way as dating avoidant men have, but also I'm not as attracted to those men who don't trigger me as I am the men who trigger me, if that makes sense. So going back to the quote from the book I'm reading, it makes sense why we want to go back into where we were as a child. We see the way that we were brought up as home. I mean, for those who are securely attached individuals, you wouldn't necessarily be attracted to avoidant attached individuals because your family met your needs, your parents met your needs, and you have an understanding of the give and take flow with little conflict and little insecurity. Or if there is conflict and you do go to your partner, you feel confident that they will meet you where you need to be met. Unlike an avoidant partner, where you might meet them with a problem and they just avoid it. They walk away. They don't want anything to do with it. As a securely attached individual, you are confident that you know that that individual isn't what's right for you. But say if that was an anxious, preoccupied individual, they would start getting into the mindset of what is wrong with me? Why doesn't my partner want to confront this problem with me, what have I done wrong? And if two avoidants were to confront a problem, well, to be honest, I doubt two avoidant people would confront a problem. They would just ignore the problem or act like there is no problem at all. I really hope I'm making my point here. If there aren't other factors playing into why you choose your partners, it might go back to your parents and how you were treated as a child. If you are someone who continuously choose partners, who constantly make you feel unloved, 
disrespected and unheard, then maybe ask yourself, how did my parents respond to me? Did they respect my boundaries or were they always overstepping my boundaries? Did they let me express my emotions and my feelings or did they gaslight me and call me too sensitive or did they yell at me all the time did they blame me for things that were happening to them did they care for me did they support my likes and dislikes did they try to alter my likes and dislikes to comfort them did they accept me for who i was or did I have to fit their narrative? And it doesn't necessarily have to be how did they treat me, but say if it is my mom, how did she treat my dad? What did she do to my dad? How did I see love as a child? Or if it's your father, well, how did he treat my mom? What did he do to my mom that I saw that now helps me understand how I should be loved. My mom cheated on my dad for years. Do I expect that now in relationships? Do I accept infidelity in romantic relationships as my normal? These questions can be asked for both anxious and avoidant individuals, but if you're avoidant, more likely you're asking, did my parents ever respond to me? Did they ever show me any attention? Did I have to be independent? Did I have to comfort myself or do things to make sure that I didn't spiral such as an anxious attached child? As an avoidant, you're not so much crying, begging for attention as much as you're moving inward and just saying, you know what, I don't need attention and you just shut down. When shifting these questions to our adult relationships, we can start asking, am I allowing my partner to love me? Am I loving to my partner? Do I allow them to be heard? When they come to me with a problem, do I walk away from that problem or face the problem with them? Is my partner reminding me of my past? Does my partner make me feel the same way I did as a child? And as an anxious individual, you can ask the same things, but also, Am I codependent? Am I allowing my partner to have their independence? Am I respecting my independence? Am I setting boundaries? Am I dating someone who doesn't care if I have boundaries and do they disrespect me? If we can be aware of these situations and aware of our attachment styles and aware what kind of partners do trigger us, we can make that conscious decision to hopefully attract securely attached individuals. Because for the people out there like me, we're not out here to marry rich, we're out here to feel secure. But if you don't start putting in the work and loving your inner child, if you don't heal those wounds, you will continue to date people who make sure you never get over that. They make sure you will always keep yourself as that child who wants love. And I just want to make it clear, I am no teacher. I haven't even mastered this. I mean, I was just, I just became aware of this this year. So no guru, but if you're like me and you keep dating the same kind of person, you keep feeling the same way in relationships, don't 
just ask yourself these questions, but ask yourself, how am I responding to my environments? How are the people who I'm allowing to get this close to me make me feel? Do I feel safe? Do I feel secure? And once you work on that, you will start being able to work on your attachment style. And it doesn't necessarily have to be just the people you're dating, but even the relationships you're holding on to. If it's someone who treated you right and it was the only person who's ever treated you right, especially after a shitty relationship, ask yourself, am I scared to let this person go because I'm scared I will never be loved the same way? Because I might have not been loved this way as a child and I liked it, but it will never come back to me again. Or if you're someone who's hanging on to a shitty relationship, you know it's toxic for you, but you keep going back to it, you need to ask yourself if this feeling has been felt before. Did I feel this way as a kid? Is this why I can't let go of this relationship? I know that the relationship's toxic for me, but I've somehow convinced myself that no one will love me or I can't be loved Or that this is the only person who can love me because they love me the same way my parents loved me. I truly think I'm rambling at this point. It just fascinates me that no matter how far you run, I moved countries. And I just found out this year that I moved countries to run away from my mom subconsciously. But I still find myself in situations where I'm with people who treat me the same way my mom did. So... No matter where you go in the world, if you are running from how a parent treated you, you will find your way back to it unless you do the inner work. And I'm going to tell you now, if you're an avoidant partner, scared of love, don't want it, you don't feel like you deserve it, or if you're an anxious, preoccupied, attached individual like myself, we deserve securely attached individuals. We deserve people who know how not to only love you, but know how to deal with your attachment styles. And I think that should be a big conversation in relationships. But I know the time that we live in, people don't really want to talk about mental health. For fuck's sake, they don't want to talk about attachment styles. I get that. But if you want to get into a relationship and you want to love someone, then you would take out that time to understand how they feel loved. Not only like love languages, but how were they loved as a child and how can I make them feel safe in this relationship? But before I leave you guys, I just want to say a few things about another quote I found in the book. I will probably refer to it as I'm reading through the book. It's very interesting. I'll put the details in the description box. But the quote is, therapy won't work as long as people keep being pulled back into the past. And I wanted to add that at the end because no matter where you are in your journey, if you keep getting in relationships with people who trigger you the same way your parents did, or it doesn't have to be your parents, like I said before, it could be It could be any situation. If you surround yourself with people who bring you back to that situation that you are trying to get out of, you will never make it through this journey. You will keep going in circles. You will keep repeating patterns. Your coping mechanisms will never get better. You will be stuck in this cycle forever. 
And let me tell y'all, I'm. it's only been a couple years I've been in this cycle. And honestly, talking now, I feel like I've just started. That is just how long this journey is. I want this podcast to be something that doesn't just help me out on my journey, but to help someone who's listening. I know this episode didn't give too much advice or anything, but I want this to be that stepping stone where you ask questions about your relationship and about yourself in relationships. And maybe I can offer advice down the line and just talk with you guys about ways in which you can start changing attachment style and how you can help yourself feel more loved in relationships or how you can even love your partners more. I will be figuring that out along with you guys because that is still something that I need help with. But that is it for this episode. And thank you so much to those who are listening, especially if you've made it to the end of this episode. And I will be back 